Welcome, everyone, uh, to another Serious Angler podcast. I'm your co-host, Andrew Full. It's just me today. Bailey is practicing for a Chautauqua Lake tournament this weekend. So as you're listening to this, it is Friday morning. Um, this podcast is presented by Queen Tackle. Today, we have a Southeast hammer on Josh Bragg. We're going to be talking about um, fishing for spots and largies during the fall transition down in the Southeast. He's from Alabama. We're also going to cover his first year on the uh, MLF Tech Warehouse Pro Circuit, which is a pretty cool deal. Um, glad he was able to complete that first season throughout COVID and everything going on. Um, on Monday Night Live, at this point, I'm not sure who our guest is. I know Bailey told me and I completely forgot, so I apologize. Um, little update on what I have going on. I have a Douglas Derby Big Money Open this Saturday. I'll be fishing with Destin Demarion. Practice went pretty good today um caught a couple that i wish i didn't catch um but glad that we found a new area so that's pretty cool but without further ado um let's get josh on here hey man how's it going good man how are y'all good you staying safe and healthy down there in alabama oh yeah yeah staying away from the the old covid for sure yeah that's it's crazy it just keeps going back up and down like oh, yeah it's like, crazy it's oh. you know alabama's it's it's on fire right now for yeah. sure i so, mean it's it's hitting close to home too so oh, man. Um, it's definitely a real deal so uh, hopefully none of your true like close loved ones have been affected at all here that would be terrible but no i haven't lost anybody haven't lost anybody real close but i, I mean some some people that i do know and um that are semi-close, but that have, that have lost the battle with it. So, um, you know, I'm staying alert for sure. Absolutely. It's kind of crazy. We were just down in North Carolina, me and my wife for a wedding. Oh, was it two weekends ago now? And I was like, man, we were going to catch something down here. Cause it was like <laughs> wide open wildfire. Let's go party. Like, it's yeah. like, we're going into bars, and I'm like, oh, God, we're going to die. Like, yeah. That was the first thing yeah. that came to my mind. I was like, this is going to be rough. But, yeah, um, yeah um, our mutual friend Chris Howell, he's been kind of keeping me updated on um, Alabama and the COVID fire that's going on down there, and it's just not good. So oh, yeah. everybody needs to stay safe. That's true. And uh, yeah. it's unfortunate, too, uh, that MPFL angler, they lost the second one to COVID, Skeeter Fowler. So it's so sad. Man, yeah, it's sad. I mean, it's a it's a bad deal, man. I, you know. It's, uh, you know, there's there's a lot of the, the pro guys that's had their bout with it, you know, and, yeah. and some of them's come out on the, the good side of it. So, um, thankfully, definitely tell everybody to say, stay safe for sure. Absolutely. So, how did your first season go, by the way? It's like, that's an awesome milestone for you completing that first season. How did it go? Like, kind of run us through it real fast. Yeah, you know, um, I guess I had some high expectations for my first year and, and um, some goals, you know, uh, I missed a couple of those. You know, I, I, you know, going into it, you always, you know, you always want to win one. You know, that making that reality is a, t- a tough deal. Um, but you know, I wanted to uh, to make a top ten, you know, uh, and I did that. Um, and the then Potomac, I wanted to qualify. Right? What's that at the Potomac? Correct. Yeah, on the Potomac River. Yeah. Congrats. Um, I think the I think there's a um, Toyota series going on there now. 
I believe yeah. you are correct. Yeah, my buddy's so, fishing, and he said it's tough. Yeah, I saw the uh, – I think I saw the results this afternoon. I think 17's leading it. Yeah. That's, so Not terrible. No, it's not bad. Um, you know, the weights drop off significantly after that, you know. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but that was a unique place that, that, you know, I'd never been to before. So, uh, to come away with a 10th place, uh, you know, I felt like I was very fortunate. You know, I had really good practice there. I, I felt very confident. You know, of course, things always change um, in a tournament or whatever from practice. And, and you know, I made some adjustments and come away with a 10th place, you know. Um, but, you know. With that being said, you know, the first year I had two lakes that was really like when the when the schedule came out last year, that there was two lakes that really stuck out to me that I, you know, by far didn't think I would win. But I thought, you know, that that's in my wheelhouse. And that was, uh, you know, Smith Lake and and uh, Lake Eufaula. Um, and I didn't even get a check in those. I had rough, rough events about them and I and, – like I said, that first year was a huge, huge learning curve for me on, you know, how to practice. And, and you really do have to kind of um, forget past what you've done in the past. And especially this spring was in Alabama was really, um, it's kind of weird. It was really late. Everything seemed like it was a couple weeks late. And floods. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, those two lakes, I really um, lean too much on past experience. Mm-hmm. And it was a hard lesson learned for sure. Looking back on it, I'm like, man, that was a not smart decision. So, yeah, especially because I, if I remember correctly, two when you qualified for the Tech Warehouse Pro Circuit, you're in the contention to win the qualifying event at Ufala, correct? If I well, remember yeah. correctly, yeah, you're real close. Yeah. Once again, I remember Chris texting me and be like, Josh is going to get this one. I just know it. it's been a while. I was yeah. like, let's get it. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, and, and like I said, that was, you know, you follow this year. I mean, even even a lot of the local guys were talking about it after that event. They were like, man, that's not the normal case for you follow. You know, for that time of the year, and I've won a BFL down there and had some good finishes down there through the year. So. Um, humble pie humble pie for sure <laughs> so but overall i mean I, I qualified for next year and that was a goal so i met that one um i let the uh, the championship slip out of my hand I, that was really one of the goals and that last event up on the st lawrence um man it kind of it kind of was a punch in the gut for sure because i had a high expectation i had i went up and pre-practice up there and, and caught some huge fish up there and um, kind of felt like I had a feel for what was going on. And there again, I just fished ahead of where the fish were, you know. Yeah, smallmouth is the yep. easiest way to put it. Our northern fish are different animals. So to give yeah. you like a little insight of what's going on here, Buffalo right now, two weeks ago, we were catching them in 30 foot of water and they vanished from it. So oh, wow. you'd like to and. For no rhyme or reason, the water's cooler than it was three weeks ago, but they went deeper. So well, it's like, who knows? They do no whatever matter. they want, and and then tomorrow they could be somewhere else completely. So right, it's, 
smallmouth fishing, especially on the St. Lawrence. Um, that place is just a big beast that can humble somebody really quick. I don't like fishing up there, to be blatantly honest, because why would I leave Buffalo? So it's true. <laughs> I fell in love with that place up there, dude. I, I told my wife I would I would move up there three or it's four beautiful. times a year. It's a beautiful place. It really is. Nice, cool mornings, not too hot in the afternoon, oh, like man. big fish. I mean, just the whole area, dude. I, I mean, it, the whole area up there is just, I don't know. I just love it up there. It's one of the one of the most beautiful places I've ever been, you know. Awesome. Well, thanks for loving New York. So, yeah. It's kind of funny, like, speaking on that half. Like, we love everything that New York has to offer, except for it's probably one of the most expensive places to live. So oh, yeah. that's the only thing that kind of stinks about it. So um, what would you say were some lessons learned from the season and uh, some things that maybe you would redo if you could before we wrap up on this part? Um, you know, definitely, like I said, um, really dropping a lot of my past experience on, on lakes I've never been to before, you know, and um, – you know, breaking for me, learning how to break down um, different, more than one pattern for a multi-day event. Um, it was, it, you know, weekend anglers talk about it all the time. We can get locked in on one specific, you know, deal. And in a multi-day event, you cannot, I mean, very rarely does one deal last more than a day, you know, um, and, you know, I should have learned it before now, but this year really, you know, etched a mark, you know, um, about like really trying to figure out more than one deal for an event. I would say that's one of the biggest lessons for sure. Mm -hmm. I'm sure it's a little fire underneath you too, to kind of go out and practice differently now too. Yeah. Yeah, you do. You have, I mean, you, it's, it's a total different mindset, you know, going into the year, I thought, well, you know, maybe I don't have to do much different, you know, but throughout the year, I really, um, the events that I did really well in, I had several different things and every one of them that I did well in, I had to move to the, move to one, you know, plan B, C or D, you know, mm -hmm. to, you know, even cash a check. So, so I mean, that, that was a big lesson. It's almost like where were they, where are they going, and where could they go to? Right. Deals right. that you had to put in there for a four-day event because, like, if you look at the forecast, it changes on a day-to-day -day basis as well. And I'm sure oh, that sure. has to be part of the way you plan, be like, okay. I mean, when I pattern smallmouth on Lake Erie and Buffalo, I kind of do the same thing. Like, where is the wind going to hit because we have a predominant current on my end of the right. lake? So I'm like, where's the wind going to hit? Where's the wind coming from? How big are the waves? How are these fish going to set up? Because they'll set up differently based on that wind. And I think that's one thing that a lot of people miss, honestly, is just the way fish transition and move right. based on wind. Um, so it's kind of cool. Like, I love hearing everybody's perspective on how they practice because everybody does it differently. So right. you got some guys who get off the water at noon, I'm sure, or don't start till noon. Like we see some of the open anglers do, which is crazy. I'm not, I, dude. I, I always, if I leave the water early or get up late or something, I always feel like I'm leaving something out there. Yeah, 
but there's there's a, there's also another side of that that I've learned too is um, especially on the at the open level, you know, at the, at the pro level or the you know the tackle wires pro circuit, we only got two days of practice, mm-hmm. so you don't really tire yourself out much in two days. Um, and then you got a, you know you, you got a day off on Wednesday before the event starts, so you got a little bit of rest there, so you can go, you know, like and when we're in New York, we have fourteen hour days, you know, so. You could you could fish you know you could practice fourteen hours a day for those two days and you got Wednesday to recover get your tackle ready or whatever but like at the opens level uh, what I have found is like you, you've got unlimited days to practice and if you go and practice three or four days and you go the full 12, 13, 14 hours a day you can really wear yourself down and you, you find you end up um, like mentally skipping and missing some things that would have stuck stuck out with you if you'd been, you know, sh- more sharp, yeah. more rested. Um, so I, you have to be careful with that on um, getting a lot of days of practice. It's a very fair point. It's almost like the old cliche of too much of a good thing. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, which we all have to kind of step back sometimes, I feel. I actually like the two days of practice, but there's been a couple of events I really wished I would have had at least a half a day of practice on that Wednesday. Yeah. So, um, but the two days of practice fits me. It helps me um, not get too too much clogged up in my mind. You know, too um, spread out. That's right. You, you kind of focus mm-hmm. just in the area. Now, how many yeah. – I mean, I, I apologize for not knowing this, but how many boats do you guys have on a Tech Warehouse Pro Circuit event? Uh, we started out with 165. I think by the end of the year, we ended up with like 160 or 161. So it's not you terrible. Know. It's still a lot it's of a, boats. Yeah, it's a, it's a lot of boats. Um, they said they're going to stick down to uh, 150 this coming year. No more than 150, so we'll see. I don't know how that'll shake out. but Because I feel like uh, when it was – FLW, they were running like 200 to 225, if I remember correctly, which is a. They may have. I don't ever remember it being that much. Um, but I think I, I, mean, remember, I You know, I, I think I can remember 175, maybe 180. So uh, they they may have. Yeah, that's a ton. I mean, that's what, you know, that's what you compete in at the, you know, Toyota Series level or the Opens level. And, um, and it really makes um, practice difficult, and then it makes it makes the tournament. It's really hard to find fresh, you know, water with that many. Yeah. And there's, dude, there's in that level there is, um, man, it's that's a tough. That level right there actually to me is tougher than the the pro circuit level because literally, like you get all the local hammers that just fish the lake. You get like yeah. the regional guys that have tons of hours there. Yeah. And then you got the touring pros that have been there 19 times and have spent yes. just as many days on the water probably as like a regional pro. And just, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. Like I've contemplated when I get my next boat, maybe fishing like a Northern Open or whatever right. the MLF side is now because the name's changed on me five times in the last five years. I feel like. But um, I've I've contemplated. But I'm like, man, I don't even know if I want to, just because I'm like, probably gonna go lose eighteen hundred dollars and get my teeth kicked. <laughs> so like, it, um, 
it pushes you. I mean, I think it makes you a better angler. Competing at that level, I really think it pushes you to a different level. That that really, if um, if you want to compete at that level, it really, it, it, you know, it, it shapes you for for the next level of competition for sure. Awesome. So, yeah, I mean, congrats on your first year. I'm I'm sure that we both know the successes weren't what you wanted, but I'm sure year two is going to be a lot better for you. Just yeah, I'm I'm hoping I'm hoping that it uh, you know that next year uh better i've got some uh you know time under my belt and um uh, going to next year just a little bit different and hope it grows from there yeah well we know you're gonna crush him especially chris he talks about it all the time so <laughs> <laughs> i'll have to let him know that uh we had you on here again because i yeah. didn't even tell yeah. him this time so i think he'll be pleasantly surprised he's actually supposed to come up in a couple weeks but um and come fish with me for four days on columbus day weekend but i think he's closing on his house and he might not um, be able to make it up so that, I, i've heard him talk about that trip man that would that would be not good to miss but i mean yeah. if you got to close on your house you got to do that i told him if he can't come columbus day weekend to come the first week of june when they're still deep and it's just a riot That'd before be our season opens yeah it's a good time so Pardon me. So let's transition here into fall fishing for spots and largies in the southeast. Um, so a little bit of how do you target each one? We'll start with spots and then work into largemouth as they move from like summer into that fall transition period into the full fall pattern. So I'll kind of let you run with that. Yeah, you know, uh, spotted bass. It, it, being from Alabama, you got um, you got the Coastal River spotted bass. And then you've got um, the Smith Lake spotted bass, Lake Martin spotted bass, which is deep clear. Both of those are deep clear reservoirs. And Coosa River has some deep water, but most of it's, you know, riverine type um, terrain, a uh, few bays and creeks and stuff um, that have spotted bass. So you kind of have two different, what I call two different species of spotted bass here. Um I would say the Cushion River spotted bass is highly current-oriented fish. They really do like current. Um, unfortunately, you know, starting into the fall, most of the, it's just like the summer. Most of the time, these generation dams aren't generating a ton of current. So mm -hmm. you, you know, um, a lot of people think in the fall. Um, obviously, you know, in the fall whether you're talking about largemouth or spots, you know, they kind of transition in the fall over to shad is their main, you know, main forage. And um, most people, you know, where they fish Lanier or, you know, uh, Smith Lake is going to think schoolers, you know, they're mm -hmm. going to be out on deep long points over brush tops, over cane piles or whatever. But and the, on the Cushion River, those big spots actually get pretty shallow. Hmm. They're not, I mean, you know, and I kind of target them with a square bill or, you know, some kind of topwater buzz bait majority of the time on the coast because the water's usually got some stain dirt to it. Um, they will, you can, you can find like little shallow flats right off the main river, you know, with some stumps or whatever on it. And those spots will get up in two or three feet of water on those flats or sandbars or whatever. And you can catch them on a, on a spook type bait or whatever. Um, I'm assuming all mega bass. Yeah. Like, I mean, I, I do throw a lot of mega bass. I, I mean, I catch them on a, um, a, uh, 
S crank, square bill crankbait, some, and uh, the uh, giant dog X. Uh, but I do I do catch them on a regular, just a regular Zar spook as well. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you can never beat the tried and true. So no, I mean it's, it'll be around when everything else is gone for sure. Um, you never replace it. That's kind of how I target, you know, that, that's kind of how the, the Coosa River spots, that's how I would target target them. I mean, I'm, I'm really looking shallow where you would think a largemouth, but they may be out, you know, the spotted bass may be out on more of a flatter type area where, you know, the largemouth are going to be stuck in there on a, on a lay down or a dock pole or, mm-hmm. you know, in the, in the water willow grass or something like that, which spots will, I mean, that's what's crazy about the Coosa Coosa River, I mean, spots will get on all those those places too. Not as much in the grass, but on like dock poles or laydowns, they will. They just want to yeah. eat. That's their main thing, that's probably, it. right? That's it. Yep. They just want to eat aggressively. So and, then, um, what about like the highland spots then, like in the morning? Yeah. You know, um, most of the highland, I'm, you know, I'm going to start looking for those fish that are out there chasing bait on, you know, long points. Um, you know, if, if you know where some brush piles are, I'll look out, you know, see if they've some suspended over brush pile. Most like Smith and Lake Martin, you know, they have blueback herring. You know, it's not as probably as not as many as like Lake Lanier or anything or, or the Carolina lakes. But, you know, they do have blueback and they'll get out, you know, over 20, 30, 40 feet of water um, and chase that bait. And I'll start looking you know, for them there. Um, we had a, um, well, the, the pro circuit was there in, I think it was March. And that's what those fish were doing. Um, I mean, they were out, they were some big ones out on those points chasing, chasing those hair. And you, on the live scope, you'd see those hair and balls and you, you could see those spots out there gorging on them. You know, then, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, now that's an interesting point with the live scope because that is just, completely like revolutionized chasing ghosts yeah it's man it's it you know but it's twofold i mean it really is twofold i mean um honestly i think i would have done better on that in that pro circuit event had i not had live scope i spent way too much time i mean i knew they were there i was catching a few and i could see them on that live scope they would blow up on top I knew they were good fish, and I spent way too much time um, trying to make those fish bite, you know. And before you know it, the day's up, and you yeah. only got two or three in the live well, you know. Uh, oh, crap. Yeah. What do I do, you know? Yeah. So it can be twofold for sure. That I mean, it's an amazing tool, and it is, you know, it's one it's helped people win a lot of money, and I think it'll – people will continue – to, to learn different ways to use it that will help them. Mm-hmm. Um, but also I've seen where it, like, it can hurt you for sure. It's kind of like the A-rig in an aspect, right? It, it completely revolutionized the game for catching big fish, but yet at the same time, it could completely burn you at the same time, chucking a winding for eight hours. Right. Expecting yes. a big bite and never develops. Live scope, you start mm-hmm. chasing these roamers that are chasing blueback herring, and yeah, you're chasing them and you can see them, but maybe that ping will make them do something That's wonky right. to where they won't eat. So That's right. it, it's learning how to fine tune it. And, and 
yeah, it kind of takes the challenge out of things in finding fish, but I personally think it might make it harder to catch them because there's so many pings at them. I think at our level, uh, the, whether you're talking about the pro circuit or at the open level, just all um, in together. Yeah, they they there's so many guys out there that are so good, and they know how to utilize forward facing sonar. They know how to target certain fish, and I do think those fish get accustomed to a ping or or you know whatever with those live targets. And I think that's what happened in that in that uh, pro circuit event down there in March. I mean, I think this because I that's the second day I could see those fish and they would go away from me. Mm-hmm. really quickly when I, when they would come on the screen. Um, so I think they were getting accustomed to that ping and, and not liking it very much. I can see how it would affect the lateral line to a point. So now with like, because, you know, the Coosa River and then the Highland-type reservoirs that you have, the largemouth probably act a lot differently in the southeast, I would assume, based on those body water types. So I know we kind of talked about docks, laydowns, and stuff, but like – what is when you go into the water do you just choose spots largies or do you do both is it a mixed bag like uh, one's not playing tits do the other you know um like smith lake i'm definitely gonna start off targeting spotted bass because that's predominantly there there's some huge largemouth in there i think last year there was a 12 pounder caught out of smith lake um You know, but they're just not super, super common. I, you know, if you can figure out how to get one of those big bite, big bites in a day without spending all day trying to get that big bite, you know, um, you figure out how to catch four spots in one big largemouth, you can always compete down there. And some guys, you know, get lucky and they do catch five big largemouth on Smith. Uh, but predominantly, it's you know, it's a spotted bass lake. And that's what, you know – we got the open coming up in a few weeks down there. And I mean, spotted bass is what I'm going to, you know, that's what I'm going to go try to find, try to get a bite on, you know, and then once I, you know, establish something that I feel like I can catch those spots on, I'm going to go up shallow just like you would any other reservoir, you know, up dirt shallow in pockets or creeks or, you know, off the main lake and try to figure out how to get a a big largemouth bite. Awesome. Now, speaking of the, uh, the open, I completely forgot that that got rescheduled. Yeah. That's for what? The, that's not Southerns. That's Central Opens, correct? Central Opens, yeah. So, October 7th through the 9th. Is that the last one, or is there one more after that? No, there's one in Grand Lake, Oklahoma. Ooh, that sounds like fun to me. And that's probably <laughs> late October then? Uh, yeah, it's like the 19th, 20th, 21st, something like that. Oh, man, good luck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, fall fishing across the country is tough, man. I mean, it just, you know, bass has been pressured all year long and, and, you know, and they're in their seasonal transition, hard to keep up with. I mean, it's just a tough time of the year to fish, you know. It, it truly is. It sounds like I need to drag you and Chris up here and go fall fishing on the Great Lakes. Oh, you don't have to. No, it, won't take too much, <laughs> it won't take too much pressure to get me to come up there for sure. It's like um, as soon as our water temp drops to a certain point, it's just game over. Like we catch what? them if you can get on the lake. We catch them from mid October through January first. Sixty fish day averages, and they're all over four and a half pounds. It's silly. It's too you much. Know, it kind of does that around here, but it takes so long to get down into that 
56, 57, 58 to six, you know, 50, I'd say 55 to 60 degree yep. water. Money when you time. Get, yeah. When you get that down here, they, they, they eat and they're fat and, and you know, it don't matter if it's large mouths or spots, they're, they're feeding and they're going to be, you know, but you know, that's usually, I mean, heck, we still have 70 degree days in November. Yeah. So it you takes a lot. Yeah. I mean, it just takes so long to get the water cold down here. Yeah. I, I wish we had 60 and 70 degree days in November, but it'd probably kill our bite. No, oh, for so, sure. For sure. It's kind of funny too, to think about like the fall fishing and how water temperature affects every body of water differently too. I'm sure you see this in Alabama. So like here in New York, we could have, with the Finger Lakes, two adjacent bodies of water. Like mm-hmm. in October, one will fish phenomenal, and the other one you can't get bit on. Dude, it's like that. There's two There's two lakes. One's Lake Neely Henry, and one's Logan Martin. And the only thing separating those is a big, huge slab of concrete. Yeah. I mean, it really is. That's all it's separating is the dam. I mean, um, and those lakes fish, you know, completely different i mean completely different it doesn't make any sense it's the same strain of fish i mean it's before they put the dams in it was the same water same river system i mean but they just fish different you know Hmm. i wonder if it's an elevation deal because technically one would be higher than the other in elevation so i wonder if that not much but yeah i don't think there's much i mean i really don't i mean there's obviously some to get the water to flow but i mean it's not i mean it's not a ton for sure it's kind of funny you talk about like the concrete barrier from lake to lake in the finger lakes it's literally a hill so yeah it's it's more of a natural barrier and they're not connected by any means at all it's just funny how one will be you can go catch like 22 to 24 pounds and the other one you might not get a bite. And the yeah. one you don't get a bit on is the lake that has way more fish in it, which is really funny. Right. It's just, and I'm sure it's similar. So back to the largemouth here. Um, what baits do you like to use to target the large? Um, I'm going to start, I'm going to start with some, sometimes top water or, or swim jig, you know, that's it's just kind of my go-to deal in the fall for largemouth. Um, I try to really, you know, see if there's any, <clears throat> you know, like, like I said earlier, you know, in, from my experience, a lot of time when that fall transition happens, fish are really, their diet kind of changes and they start feeding more on shad for a period of time in, in the beginning of the fall. Um, and so, you know, I, I try to see if that, that's really happened with a largemouth. I mean, without a doubt, largemouth is going to be shallow around, these parts anyway um it's just a large mouth a large mouth they like yeah. to be shallow um unless you go to tennessee river there's still a few out deep on the Tennessee river but um so i'm gonna you know i'm gonna try to cover some water and find out if those fish are you know there's still probably a few eating eating bluegill because they can just always eat bluegill but um i'll, I'll target them with a buzz bait a whopper plopper Swimming a jig, you know, and then if that don't work, I, you know, I, I usually slow down and start pitching a jig around. All fun ways to catch them, especially a oh. plopper bite. Too much fun. Plopper bites. It's when you get on that deal, man, it's addicting. Yeah. So I mean, when you do target the largemouth, do you pick a specific section of the lake where you're like, oh, I know I'm going to be able to catch largemouth here? Or are you more of like, 
a scatterbrain where you might start in the southeast corner and run all the way northwest and then kind of back down southwest and east west in and out of creeks like there's yeah, so many I, different ways to fish I'm gonna small start, I'm gonna, right you know largemouth i'm gonna start you know towards the backs of the creeks i mean that's just where i'm on i mean if if they left there from the spring they're going back there in the fall i mean it's just it's just their seasonal, you know, migration. And you got you, you got fish that stay back there year round. It's just that's that's their home. So I, I definitely will target, you know, the very backs of pockets, backs of creeks, you know, kind of off the main lake, you know, for largemouth. Yeah. So um, I guess we kind of covered all the power techniques. Is there any time that you'd really slow down and go finesse fishing for either species in the fall? You know, spotted bass, uh, you know, check your head and drop shot. It's always, if you're targeting, you know, spotted bass, those two baits are always going to be on the table. I mean, they're they're, they're going to be there. And a lot of times they are for largemouth too around here. Mm -hmm. um, they see so much. I mean, most of the guys around this area, they're power fishermen. I mean, they, they can do it all, but most of the guys are just power fishermen. So they see the big jigs, the swim jigs, the – Spinner baits, the chatter baits, all that. So, I've always got a you know a shaky head or a drop shot, um, on the deck, you know. And if if they don't, you know, if they're not coming up, eating the top water, buzz bait, you know, walk plop or whatever, I'll start pitching around a shaky head or a drop shot around docks or brush piles or whatever. It's a fair point. So now I guess this will lead us here into. Um the last question that I have for you, but then I'll kind of open up the table to you. If there's anything that you want to talk about, well, we're here, but um, not so much a loaded question. Just if you had to choose three lakes anywhere in the Southeast to fish in the fall, what three would they be and why? In the fall, tell me what time frame you're talking about. Like um, now, November? Your, fa your, or, um, favorite, your favorite time frame to fish in the fall. Uh, you know, as far as fall goes, um, probably the end of October to the middle of November would be my time frame for the best fall fishing. Um, and there's a, there's a lake, um, it's the farthest north on the Coosa River. It's called Weiss Lake. And um, it's about 36,000 acres. That would be my number one lake in the fall for me. Um, number two. Um, I probably make me think here. I'd I like this. <laughs> um, I'd probably go to one of the, one of the, you know, Tennessee river lakes, you know, and, uh, you know, Gunnerful in October can be really good if you can get, the, you know, the frog bite going, mm -hmm. the, the mats are starting in October, the mats are starting to get really slimed over, starting to break up a little bit. It's getting that hollow cavity underneath. Um, it can be a really fun time to go up there. So I would say Gunnerful number two for the fall for me. And then um, number three, it'd be one, probably one of the, the lower um, Coosa river lakes, uh, you know, like a, um, a lay lake or Jordan Mitchell, one of those, cause they have got some huge spots down there that really, that really like to feed up for the winter. Yeah, I think Lay Lake is actually a pretty good winter lake, isn't it? For the yeah, most it's a draw. 
um, you know, like Logan, it, it, it'll dry down five or six feet. So it's a little easier to, you know, in the fall can target those fish. They kind of lose a lot of the water to, that they can hide in, you know. Got it. So, and, and then, you know, Lay has a lot of current that rolls through it. So you can get a lot of those current breaks and stuff on Lay. Um, target, I mean, they catch some big, big spots down there. Sounds like fun. I'm coming down. Like, I've, I've yet to catch a spot. It's one thing that I want to do because I hear how hard they fight, but it's hard to leave. You know, yeah, lake. you should come down. You should come down about the like the first, second, second week of April when they start to pull up to spawn. So, I mean, it's so stupid. Easy to catch them. Fun. Yeah, and they're big and, you know. So here, this would be my lucky scenario, right? I would fly into Alabama. I would come down and catch spots. And there would be a massive tornado outbreak. The town I'm staying in would be like run over by a tornado <laughs> and my trip would be ruined because that's the way my luck goes. So, you know, we're going to North Carolina for that wedding here two weekends ago. And sure enough, that horrible hurricane decided to hit the Southeast and I basically sure. had to drive through it to get there. So like that's, you, you know, like that, that is my luck. So yeah. that in yeah, Alabama, April, uh, I don't think that would mesh too well with depending me. on depending on what part of Alabama you go to to do that. It, that very well could happen because it seems <laughs> like every year we've been having worse and worse. Yeah, crazy, crazy weather come through. Actually, um, I was reading um, like an NOAA report and how they actually are starting to shift Tornado Alley further east and into the southeast because the pre- like the predominance of tornadoes in the Arkansas, Alabama corridor, Mississippi is actually at a higher level the last two to three years than in Oklahoma, Texas. Oh, wow. Super tornadoes. So they're actually delegating that tornado alley further southeast, which is kind of scary. Hey, I believe it. With with (laughs) the the patterns of weather we've been having the last couple of years, man, I believe it. I mean, it's crazy. Crazy. Well, Man, I, I hope you guys stay safe. So is there anything that you would like to uh, hit on here for 2022 that you have coming up? Any big plans like besides the FLW, uh, FLW MLF, Tackle Warehouse Pro Circuit? Yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to 2022. Um, you know, right now I'm kind of just focused on these next two opens. I mean, I, I, mean, I, I love being over on the Tackle Warehouse Pro Circuit. Uh, I, I mean – it, it really I, I love fishing over there this year but you know it's been always been a dream to fish on the on the elite series and uh i'm really kind of focusing on these next two events and uh see where we can check out we were so close last year one day in texas at uh lake louisville oh, cool. and kind of, it kind of it ruined my whole season i mean i I would have caught if I would have caught one three i think i think we narrowed it down to if i'd have caught one three pound fish at Lake Louisville last year, I'd have qualified for the leads, you know, and, and that's so hard to do. And I, I, I don't take that for granted. Right. Um, so I'm going to focus on these next two events at Smith and uh, Grand Lake and see if we can qualify for the leads and then weigh our options and see what, see what next year holds. Well, I mean, whatever the card, however the cards lay, I'm sure you'll make the right decision for you and your family and I'm, and if I remember correctly, you run a Phoenix, so you're already set and flying high there. So that's true. Yeah, no. I couldn't. You know, 
a Phoenix, man, I just, I've ran, I've been running a Phoenix since 2011. And, um, I mean, it's just, it is just a great boat all around boat. Um, and you know, it's having good equipment, you know, it, it makes all the world in a different, uh, you know, all the difference in the world, you know, to, uh, help you get through these events. And I'm thankful to be running one for sure. Awesome. Well, I mean, I, for the few times that I've been in one, I can surely say the same. They are fantastic. I'm not sure which one you run, but the only ones I've been in is the 21 PHX. And I, if I could buy a boat tomorrow, that'd probably be the boat I'd buy. Yeah. A bigger yeah, boat, they're, they're, say. And they're good. They're good boats. I run the 921 Elite. I know Dustin runs the 21 PHX and, and they're, they're both those 21 foot boats. I mean, that, that last day at St. Lawrence, um, it was blowing out of the north west, northeast, I believe, at like fifteen to twenty. That's not a fun wind there. And against the current, and I'm, I am so blessed and thankful to be in that twenty-one foot elite because it was rough. I mean, really rough. And I oh. made a two-hour run, <laughs> so it was it was rough. Ouch! That. A two-hour run on conditions like that, it's more like a three-hour run, I would assume. Yeah. It was. It, it took me an extra 30 minutes. The first day it took me, I ran from Messina all the way down to Clayton. It took me about an hour and 20, hour and 25 minutes. You know, um, the second day it took me right at two hours. But, I mean, from, I would say from Og, right below Ogdensburg down to um, Alexander Bay, Oh my goodness, dude! It was it was rough. Oh, I can only imagine. I for the Niagara River up here, I hate it when the wind blows out of the north because that our current, the St. Lawrence has current, but you haven't faced current until you fish the Niagara because we have wow. our average current is like three miles an hour. Wow! <laughs> yeah, that's double St. Lawrence. Yeah, so if you take a twenty mile an hour north wind, our river flows south to north. It literally yeah. stacks them like five feet apart from each other. Yeah. I fished uh, seven years ago. It's either six or seven years ago. A little club derby on the upper Niagara when we had remnants of one of the hurricanes that came through. There right. was like 40 mile an hour north winds and they didn't post a small craft advisor. So we're like, oh, we're going to go because we can go. I'll tell right. you what, there was like five footers rolling down that river from the north. And uh, you're trying to drop shot out on like a couple rock piles that you can normally drag over, and you were going upstream from the three mile an hour current because the wind was so heavy, and your drop shot would be like 200 feet behind you going oh, down. Gosh. So you yeah. want to talk about a mess? Like that's yeah. Man. It looked like the BPT guys had it pretty rough on St. Clair. Yeah, Oof. Great Lakes. Yeah, yeah, they're. they're Something to respect, but you can't be afraid of them. So yeah, that's the variable at in up there in the fall, and it. I mean, it's uh, very yeah. wind dependent. So for everybody that doesn't know, we get gales, like gale winds, in late yeah. October through November, and that's the best time to be on the lake if there isn't a gale wind because the fish just chew because the water temp is between like forty-five and fifty-five usually. Right. We'll go like three weeks where we can't even get on the lake due to big winds or just milk and debris everywhere. So we have to wait for yeah. it all to clear out. 
and then we'll get six hours of fishable time before the next wind event comes through. Where we have just clear enough water to catch them, but you'll catch 150 fish. Like it's yeah. just dumb. Yeah, I need to make a trip up there and and, and experience some of that. Yeah, mid October is a really fun time to come. Yeah, and I got um, um, I have four bodies of water we can fish on any given day. So, I am I'm down. I'm down. Yeah. Maybe uh, maybe next year we can coordinate something. You can bring Chris up with you, and we'll go out have some fun. Let's do it, man. Let's go for it. We'll figure it out. But uh, for now, anything else, Josh? I appreciate you taking the time here. Um, I know I kept it kind of short here just because of, as I was talking to you before the show, of my hectic time going on here. So I appreciate you hopping on short notice and discussing all the Southeast fisheries um, and spots and largemouth through the fall transition. Do you have any other notes for the people listening in? I don't think so, man. I appreciate you having me on and uh, good luck at that derby this weekend. And Thanks. Catching that 29 and a half pounds. Oh, yeah, it's going to be hard. So <laughs> it's not in October. <laughs> the thing about it is, y'all were there. You, you know where they live. They live there. So, oh, yeah. So, like I was explaining to you beforehand, so the, I don't know if I said this on the show or not. My brain is in a fog, but I literally started at the beginning of this week marking where I've been catching like four and a half and bigger fish. So, my graphic's like four and a half pounder. I think now I'm up to 21 spots of like individual spots where I know big fish are. Right. Which is just crazy. And that's, you know, that's funny up there. Those fish will live on those individual rocks, you know? Yep. Um, you know, just, it, you know, you have places down here where, you know, you can pull up whether it's a dock and there'll be a fish sitting on one dock pole specifically or one lay down on a blank, but, like up there, it's so many, there's so many of those single rocks, you know, up there. It's, it's just funny. And they'll stay there. Those fish, that's where they live is around yeah. that one rock. It's their home. And then as yeah. soon as you catch them, one that's nowhere near around will slide right in and take it over. That's right. Which is even crazier. So, yeah. but um, on that note, thanks again, Josh, for uh, hopping on here with me. And uh, I wish you the best 2022. I know me and Bailey do follow along here due to that mutual connection with Chris. So um, best of luck. And if you need anything from us, uh, let us know whenever. So, All right, Andrew. Appreciate you having me on. Yeah. And, Thank you, my friend. Yes, sir. You have a good night and uh, stay healthy and safe down there in Alabama. And we'll chat you soon. Well. Thank you. All right, man. See you. Bye now. Well, that was an awesome show. Hope you guys enjoyed it. If you can and your app allows it, please leave us a rating and review. It really helps us get seen more, which allows us to access more time and more variables to be able to bring to the show to make it better for you guys. So hope you enjoyed it. And if you did and you like some of the things we talked about in this episode and want to check out our show partners, all of that is in every single show description. You can click down there. It's got all of our discount codes, all of our links to our show partners, where you guys can go and support the people that support this show and help us make this show happen. And of course, this show does not happen without you guys. You guys know we appreciate you. You're the Sears Sanger fam. You're the reason we're here. Appreciate y'all, and we'll see y'all on the next one.